and welcome to TV My Husband Hates. I'm Kat Sims. And I'm Regan Kempton. And we are reality TV addicts. Addicts, uh, aficionados. Ooh, I like that. Experts. Experts. Basically, we know our shit when it comes to reality TV. 100%. Hello and welcome to another episode of TV My Husband Hates, where it seems like reality TV has just been on fucking fire these past couple weeks. How you doing, Kat? Uh, I feel like I'm on fucking fire, if I'm honest. <laughs> I mean... It- <laughs> I feel like one day I'd love to come with like this. I am so great. And I am obviously great and grateful and overflowing gratitude and all of that stuff. But also my kids, they're so close to going back to school, but it's just not quite close enough. And it's, it's just like the lights at the end of the tunnel. We can see it, but we can't get there. And all of a sudden it's got really hard again. Yeah. This is the difference. This is always the struggle I have with like the UK and the US system because the UK only has like six weeks of summer break. I mean, granted, it's been totally different this year because of COVID and we've all been home and whatnot. But my kids spring break is or summer break is like two and a half months long. So as your friend, I can empathize. (laughs) But as somebody else, I'm like, eh. Suck, Suck it, it up, up at six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you fucking cunt. Uh, I mean, fair enough. Fair enough. It's, but it is, it, to be fair, normally six weeks is fine. Yeah. This hasn't been six weeks. This has no, been like been a million years. Six years. And, yeah. and I feel like we've run out of shit to do. We don't want to be near each other. We all just want the next step, the next bit. Yeah. We want, everybody just wants them to go back to school. So it's fine. And I've got Bo's birthday party tomorrow. And you know what birthday parties are like. You just, Awful. Why the, why the fuck? Why the fuck do I say I'm going to Memories. To give them happy memories of their childhood. Memories. <laughs> <laughs> and and then we'll, we'll spin the- this lie to them for the rest of their life. Go, oh, they were, the most, they were the happiest days of my life. In reality, <laughs> it's fucking shit. I've never drunk so much. I, I mean, yeah. you know. Anyway. They're the drunkest days of our lives. Though I will say, as a voice from the future whose kids have gone back to school, because they have not been around kids so much, now colds are flying rampantly. I thought that was going to be a positive message of support. I thought you were going to say, from the other side, just so that you know, when the kids are back in school, (laughs) it gets easier. Think good times are coming. But no, you literally poured fuel. I pissed on your parade. You did. Pissed on my chips. On one, on one level, it is very nice when they can go to school and they are gone for the day. However, I feel like we've also been catapulted back to like the first year of school. Remember when your kids first went to nursery and they were just fucking sick all the time? But now people freak out that they're sick all the time because they think they all have COVID. So then you get to take them home, get COVID tests for them, prove that they don't have COVID, and then send them back to school. But then the sickness ramps through your entire family. Oh, like I fuck. had a puking five-year-old at four o'clock this morning. Oh my God. Oh, but hang on a minute. I have, a, I have like a worldwide beef, right? Yes. You know, pre-COVID, when yes. our kids were sick and we had to check their temperatures and your options were like, stick it under the tongue or do the in the ear thing. And none of them were ever any fucking good or the batteries no. weren't there. You never really knew if you pushed the right button or they didn't keep it under their tongue for long enough. Why is it that all of a sudden 
these amazing like guns that you just lay infrared guns that you just point at a forehead and it just gives you a temperature instantly they have been around but nobody's fucking told us about those before now no i will i will join your worldwide beef on that because it's bullshit i wish i had had that thing seven years ago when i had my oldest child I have bought one. It arrived today. I was like, what, it, 35 quid from Amazon. I am getting me that. I am having yeah. it. I, I am just angry that I have spent years wrestling with <laughs> fucking children to keep shit under their tongue or in their ear. And now this thing existed all along and nobody told me. Yeah. Healthcare workers. I'm calling bullshit. You should have let us know. Or did you ever fuck around with those like stickers that used to go on their forehead to try to read their temperature too? Oh yeah, we had, those like, these too. like infrared stickers. They were a huge pain in the hole. Okay, well listen, why don't we get into it? So we are here. Um, I think this week we've got five shows, but it doesn't look like we're going to have five shows next week. Um, and we're kicking off as ever with the brand new Potomac that is back on our screens, and I'm living for this show. This show is everything. Oh, my word. I'm so excited that it's back. These ladies are fucking brilliant. They have so much shit going on. It's so nice to be able to talk about it. They really do. And I love that it's always just random new shit. Like the fact that Giselle and Jamal are back together. We never saw that coming. And it's causing... I love this storyline because it gives us shit to chat about that we enjoy. Like families, parenting relationships all of that stuff and i still am surprised i'm constantly surprised that giselle is being so kind of tone deaf in this situation well i think where giselle is coming from is what we've all been brainwashed by the millions of 80s and 90s like and even back in the 60s like when parents got divorced people would try to get their parents back together and that's all kids really wanted was them back together And I actually don't think that's the case. It's definitely not the case for me and my parents. When they got divorced, I was happy they were divorced. It was finally like a happy home. Um, I would have killed them if they got back together, you know? And I think that's really the reality of most divorced kids is they've been through so much of this like fighting and back and forth that it's so much better when they live separately that they don't want them to go back. And I mean, I, I completely feel for her kids, but I think Giselle is like stuck in that old mindset where kids just want their parents back together regardless. And that's not the case. Well, and even if in an ideal world, these kids do want their parents back together, like let's say that's the case. Yeah. I think Giselle isn't being as sensitive to this as she could be. I think she's like, I don't understand why they're fine with the other guy that she was dating. I forget his name. Sherman. Um, Sherman, but they're having a problem with Jamal. I'm like, because the stakes are so much higher. Yeah. Like if you break up with Sherman, fine, he's gone. Like it is what it is. But if it's a nasty breakup between you and Jamal now, these kids are right in the middle of that forever. Like this is a really, really treacherous sort of uh, circumstance. And I think the girls, I've said it from the beginning, I think they're fucking terrified that if this goes wrong then their whole world will be turned upside down. Totally, it's fucked, And I'm surprised that she just doesn't seem to get that. Yeah, I mean, I love when she's with her hair guy, Cal, and he's like, Mm. well, of course they feel that way. They're terrified. Yeah, and she can't, and I I feel like she might hear it from him. She seems to get quite emotional. 
And I'm so pleased that he said that to her because for me, it's been so glaringly obvious. And I've yeah. been like, I don't understand why she can't see it. But I'm glad that he said it. I hope that she hears it. And I hope that she kind of addresses it on that level with her girls. Yeah, I think she needs to, I mean, like Cal said, she needs to lead with love and address all the negative things that they've seen about their dad and explain to them where you've come to and what the thought process is and just be real with them and be honest. And I think I think they would come to her side, still probably with a bit of trepidation because who knows how long it's going to last. But I think he was spot on and I hope she really hears him and deals with that with the girls. I also think that it would do her girls a lot of good if her and Jamal sat down and really told them where this is going. Like, I I get the impression through confessionals that Giselle is like, this is it. Like, we do not want to be with anybody else. Like, I feel like Giselle believes that this is it forever. And I just think that that conversation with the girls would be really useful. They need reassurance. They need to feel safe. They need both of their parents on the same page to delivering the same message. And that feels like that's missing at the moment. Well, and they're older now too. So maybe it would even behoove them to be very real about why they broke up in the first place because tabloids are going to say shit. Obviously, Giselle has talked about it on the show. And so maybe they need like a real, like they need to come together and kind of nail down the story and how they're going to tell them where it went wrong the first time, why it's not going to happen again and give them some reassurance. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know if you know any real couples in real life that have divorced and got back together. I'm trying I to think if I do. I don't either. It can't be that common, right? No. I, I wouldn't think so. I mean, maybe but separated. If any of you, maybe separated and, and reconciled yeah. is probably more. But like going through the whole court proceedings, making it final, and then coming back together after like seven or eight years? No. I've never well, listen, if any of you listening have been um, divorced and remarried or got back together with a guy, oh my God, please email us because yes. I'd love to know more about this. It must be such a difficult dynamic to manage. So the more info I can get on this, totally. the more I'm into it. Um, talking of relationships, let's move on to Monique and Chris because I related hard with Monique in this particular situation. Absolutely. Bless that woman. I mean, bless that woman, but also you still decided to get yourself a fucking bird like make smarter choices yeah but i do understand i feel like she's got a case of the overwhelms absolutely well the overwhelms and you know your relationship changes so much with each kid and they've just had the third kid and she's just like none of like the sweet romantical things are happening anymore like i used to come down from putting down the kids and you'd have dinner together or you know you'd surprise me and take me out like we as women still need to be wooed and, you know, desired because you don't feel desirable after hoofing humans out of your love tunnel, as you would call it. <laughs> I think it's the best way to put it. It is. You don't feel sexy, but also you don't feel sexy, you know, when you've been cleaning up poop all day and all of that stuff. It's just, I get it. I didn't love Chris's response, which was essentially but I have needs that aren't being met too, i.e., but we're not having any sex. Or, yeah. you know, you're not, you're not giving me any head or whatever it is that he was referring to. It was definitely sexual. Yeah. Like, maybe she would feel more sexual if she came down and fucking dinner was on the table. Because let's face it, I refer to this as chore play, right? Yeah. There is nothing sexier than a man who empties the fucking dishwasher 
hangs out the laundry, cooks you a meal, then I, I will give that man a blowy. Or but the guy who sits on his ass, not so sexy. No, and Chris is retired. He's a retired football yeah. player. What else is he doing? Take the kids. Or hire, and, and I mean, I did agree. It was interesting because like his point was, we have the money. Like if you need help, please hire it. Like you, you don't need to do this alone. I don't, I didn't like his like sexual comment. Like I thought that came very weird, but I then like, yeah. as they continued talking, I kind of understood where he was coming from. Like he misses her in that way too. So they both like need to make the effort. I think if Chris was a different person, that conversation would have stopped at that sex comment. But I really like their dynamic that they just kept talking about it and they actually yeah. kind of came to a resolution like, okay, well, you know, if you do this, then maybe I will feel more sexual. Take me out on more dates. Like, yeah. it works both ways. And, and you know, as, as much as I relate, and I do definitely, it is easier for them, like, to make this right. Like, if when you've got all that money just sitting around and you yeah. can afford babysitters whenever you want them, like, there is no excuse. And I'm glad that they've had the conversation. I mean, anybody can, can fall into complacency, so I can appreciate that. But I'm glad they've had the conversation. But now there is no excuse. Like, you've no. got the means, you've got the resources. Get out there, nurture your relationship and get on top of this shit. Yeah. It's not like the rest of us where we're like, well, okay, I'd love to go out on a date with you, but it's a hundred quid for the babysitter before we've even started. So that's like, you know, it's uh, it's unfeasible. Sort it out. Absolutely. Two. It's it's kind of like my top tip advice to married people is to don't forget that you are married to somebody and take time away from your children and be with that person. Even if it's just like go to the park and sit with each other for a while because yeah, it's, it's hard. It's really hard and it's really easy to fall into a rut. And God knows I understand. Uh, so there's a, sorry about this, but there's a guy climbing into a window oh, opposite my garden. That can't be good. Oh, I think it's fine. Uh, Just forget his keys. I don't know. No, the door's open. Oh. But it's like, there are two people watching him do it. So I can't imagine. Oh, sorry. I, this is a random distraction. <laughs> It's Harrow. Oh yeah, I think he is Harrow locked out. It's a different house corner. It is Harrow Cri Neighborhood Watch. Here neighborhood Watch. Hello, corner. my name. Hello, my name is Karen Sims, and I'm a Neighborhood Watch. <laughs> um, yeah, he's in. It's fine. Don't worry, Excellent. he's in. Great. Uh, okay, so let's chat though about Candice. Candice, Candice. I call her Candice. I just think it's spelled differently. Got it. Okay, so let's think about Candice and Ashley. They have this kind of long-awaited one-on-one that we've all been waiting for absolutely and my heart just felt so hard for ashley trying to navigate a buggy into a small cafe it's like the worst feeling ever when everybody is staring at you and you're just like crashing into all the chairs well and also the really frustrating thing is like once you've crashed into the first one or two chairs you would think that everybody's like oh okay i get the problem now i'm move. gonna move i'm just gonna shift out the way they don't do that they literally wait until you're like I need to get past you too. Like, can you, like, you're in the way. Everybody as well. just fucking move. Just move. <laughs> and Again. also, I'm I'm never forgetting that this is like the first three months for her. Like, this is like the worst time of her entire life. Yeah, yeah. Those are such dark days. Like, I can't bang dark on days. about that enough. No, and the thing is, is that you don't know how fucking dark they are until you come out of them and you look back and you're like, how the fuck did I survive? Yeah, it's, it's one of the magical mysteries of women, in my opinion. 
how we do yeah. that well, and then do it again. <laughs> well, do you know what? It's so funny. I shared a video on my Instagram today um, of a seahorse giving birth. And if you've never seen a seahorse giving birth, it's really kind of amazing. Basically, they sort of have a belly button that becomes this big hole um, and they just gush out hundreds of babies at a time out of this hole, right? Yeah. Doesn't look anything more than a couple of sneezes. Then, of course, I remember that it's the men, it's the male seahorses that give birth. And I was like, oh, that's why it's so fucking easy for a seahorse because they, <laughs> the men figured this shit out. Once they realized they had to do it, they were like, well, we're going to make this as efficient as fucking possible. Right. Uh, if the men in our species had to give birth, you can bet everything that they would have spent trillions on making birth more efficient and less painful. More affordable and childcare yeah. more affordable and workplaces more flexible. All that uh -huh. would have been sorted of, out. All of that stuff. None of this like, well, none of this like, oh, I'm in a lot of pain, I'm in a lot of pain. Well, we're going to give you a paracetamol and we'll see how you do in a couple of hours. None of that bullshit. No, here's some gas and air. Breathe through it. Not, not even that. It would have been, we're going to put you under. Yeah. And take all that pain away. It, we it, take it all away. They would have already evolved, so there just wouldn't have been pain. No, exactly. I mean, men would have made this shit happen. I was like, yeah. oh, fuck. Anyway, that aside, Ashley's still there and she's sitting down with Candice. And, um, you know, I, I think the conversation goes well. I, I have to say, as much as Candice, I'm sure, is... I'm not sure she's being 100% right. legit in the Monique situation. Yeah. But I do feel overall through her conversations with Chris and the way that she is approaching certain situations, I feel like she's trying to do better. I 100% agree. I think the way she and Ashley talked about their issues, neither one of them held back and just made it okay, which I really appreciated. Like it got a little spicy there for a bit. Um, but I, I really like that Candace apologized, owned that she was being kind of mean, reiterated that had she known she was in labor at the time, she wouldn't have done that. And I, so she Karen, said, sorry, but, um, no, she like, I appreciate that. And I like that she kind of opened up about, you know, I'm really trying to work on like not holding on to shit anymore. Like yeah. it's something I need to work on. And I felt like she did apologize. I do. The reason that we sort of had a bit of a hesitation, awkward pause there was because my face, when Reagan said, you know, I wouldn't have sent that if I'd have known you in labor. I was like, oh, that was the bit for me that I was like, Candace, listen, it doesn't take a fucking genius to know that somebody who is like nine and a half months pregnant is essentially going to be in labor or wishing they were in labor or having just had a baby. Like it's, anything around yeah, that time is going to be pretty sensitive. So I was like, and also it, it's not cool to say whether you're pregnant or not pregnant. Like some yeah. of the shit she said was it fucking It was still dark. bullshit, right. That being said, that was my only qualm. The rest of it, I genuinely thought she was trying to be genuine. I don't think she was like, if you felt offended, she was like, I am sorry that that hurt you. Yeah. I can give Candy Candice props for that. And I think Ashley can too. I'm with you. I'm glad that Ashley didn't just back down. I feel like she's still got some of that feist in her. Yeah. Um, and I think we're going to see this relationship actually go from strength to strength because I think they're going to bond on the baby shit. I agree. And I, it would be interesting to me 
to see a conversation where Candace opens up to Ashley about her hesitancies about having a baby and Ashley being real with her about what it's like to have a baby. I think that's a conversation I'd fucking love to see. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm loving that Ashley's documenting this early stage motherhood because, you know, even though there is an element of her still glamming up and going out and looking great, like we all did that, but I think we are seeing some of the behind the scenes shit where she is struggling. Yeah. So for that, I'm grateful. And I want her and Candice to be friends. They should be. They're like the same age. They're in the same stage of life. Yeah. It's a shame if they can't get on. So this is good. Yes. On the flip side of that, <laughs> just as Candice like, like puts out one fire, another fucking wildfire starts with Giselle. Yeah. Wow. I like, know. I don't even know where to begin with this. Um, I'm looking at my notes right now. So we've got Wendy. So basically what happens is Wendy and Robin have a chat. Yeah. Wendy says to Robin, by the way, had lunch with Candice. She said that Giselle was a monster. Um, in not so many words. And obviously Robin goes straight to Giselle and says, by the way, Candace yeah. said that you're a monster. Giselle is then like, fuck her. Fucking fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and launches into Candace. Now I feel, I don't know. I mean, I like Giselle. I feel like Candace pulled Giselle aside to do, to be her better self and to say sorry and to take ownership for it. I feel like I feel like Giselle just needed to be pissed and have a rant. And it didn't really matter what Candace said at that point. But I really hope that Giselle and her do work it out because I think that Candace was about to like was really ready to take ownership for that. I totally agree with you. I think I think a lot of things have just been building up for Giselle. So I think you're absolutely right. She just needed to like have a bit of like verbal diarrhea all over Candace and then she'll be fine. And I kind of. I kind of like that about Giselle. Like she owns her feelings enough to where she's like, I just need to put this out there. I'll be like, I'll be fine tomorrow, but tonight I'm going to be fucking pissed at you. Yeah. And I mean, I can really relate to it. That's me. Like the amount of times I say to Jimmy, you know what? I just need to, I just need a fucking evening to process this. And I just don't want you or any, I want to be in the bath, watch TV, eat chocolate and drink red wine by myself. And I just need to be fucking left alone. I can really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I have to say, credit to Candice for not reacting. She just let yeah. Giselle do her thing, you know, and she's like, well, that didn't go how I expected it to go. <laughs> I think we are seeing a more grown up Candice and I am excited to see her evolve a little bit this season. Me too. And I think Chris is a huge part of that. I think Chris understands where she comes from and he talks to her in a way that's like, maybe you could try this versus like, you need to do this. You're being a baby or you need to grow up. I think the way Chris handles her is really nice. And I think yeah. he, and I hope that doesn't come out wrong, but like just the way he broaches subjects with her is a very like relatable on the same level kind of way. And yeah. I think he's just like the Candace whisperer. Like he knows how to handle it. Well, and I think it really helps that there are more boundaries between her and her mum now that she's out from underneath her mum financially. I think that's probably had a really big influence and, and her mum is no longer the biggest influence in her life. Chris's. Yeah. I think that's the, the point of this change. So who knows? I think we're going to see a really interesting Candice this season. I hope so. I'm, I'm all for it, actually. I'm enjoying what I'm seeing so far. 
Me too. Now, before we move on, we have to just talk about Karen's Karen Huger's uh, housewarming party. Well, I mean, I say I specifically say Karen Huger's <laughs> housewarming party, and not Karen and Ray Huger's housewarming party. Um, so much to talk about, but not quite enough time because we have been on this for a long time. But I mean, invitation outfit. Talk to me about both of those things. Um, the invitation was bonker balls. I'm trying to edit it down right now to put it on our Instagram feed. It was fucking hilarious. I love how everybody was questioning, like, where's Ray? Like, I almost wish I knew Karen's maiden name because that's what I would call this party for. Like, yeah, Karen maiden names housewarming party because Ray was nowhere in any of this. And the pink outfit. Well, here's what I put on stories. I was like, is this... Beyonce, or is this just budget Beyonce? It's Do you know what I mean? Beyonce. 100%. I felt like it was budget Beyonce too. It all felt a little bit contrived, and also you can't. Surely you've got to walk out with your husband. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. it, it just all felt really awkward. And I'm sure that Ray is struggling with Karen and her success. I'm sure that he's struggling. We've talked about this. Yeah. The fact that she's now like launching into this thing when he's just about to sit down. But I also wonder how sensitive Karen is being to the situation as well. And this makes, I'm, I'm with you, this makes me feel like not at all. Yeah, no, 100%. Especially like you see him going upstairs to go to bed. Like he's over the party. <laughs> but what's weird is like during this party, she's then talking to Ashley about how she's really trying to make him a priority. And it's like, but you're not. You've left him yeah. out of this. He's in bed. Like, this is not his life anymore. And that is a hard thing to navigate if, it, if you still want it to be your life. Like, you guys have yeah. to talk about it and figure it well, out. Well, and that's the thing, right? You talk, you make that clear, and you go, do you know what? It's okay that I'm here and you're there. As long as we're both aware of what each other needs and we can yeah. support each other without feeling like we're being taken for granted, that's the conversation that you need to have. Um but this was just, it felt a bit like a public fuck you to Ray. Yeah. And I think I'd have gone to bed as well if I was Ray. A hundred percent. I mean, you know, m- between my husband and I, I'm definitely the one that likes to stay out. I know it's the same between you and your husband. Like, I'm I fine if what just, you're talking about. <laughs> I'm fine if he just goes upstairs and goes to bed. We have that <laughs> understanding. But I prefer it sometimes. <laughs> Especially when it's the two of us together. They should definitely yeah. go to bed. <laughs> they shouldn't even bother coming, no. frankly. Just don't bother coming, guys. No, you're not going to have go any fun. Go to a football game or something. Just do that. It's going to be way more fun for you than watching your wives get shit-faced. Granted, they do have a good time together, but over the fact yeah. that they're both annoyed at us being shit-faced but anyway <laughs> so. just a little insight into our dynamic there it's the way it goes so i mean maybe karen and ray have that same understanding but it didn't feel that way no it didn't feel that way but we'll see i mean who knows how it's gonna work out for good old karen huger but anyway who knows? let's um let's move on but first of all let's take a break and we'll see you on the flip side while we've got you here we'd love to talk to you about our brand new patreon account woohoo it's all the extra content that is not only about reality tv but all the other tv that we happen to be watching and if that wasn't cool enough we also give away a little bit more about ourselves so there's lots of personal stuff on there too if you want to get to know us better so head on over to patreon.com search for tv my husband hates and all this extra content can be yours for less than a cup of coffee or a glass of wine whatever you choose 
And welcome back. So now we have to jump right into Below Deck Med because this season is just getting more and more insane. I really was hoping to finally find like a chef that wasn't a complete dick. But Tom is worse than a dick. He's whiny. He's so whiny. I have enough fucking whining in my life. Like I go to Below Deck Med to get away from the fucking whining. And now I've got Tom just whining about birthday cakes and chicken and how they don't know what they're eating. And they've got, what does he say? Something about unrefined taste buds. Oh, fuck off. Like, dude, you're not Gordon Ramsay. No, you're not. What's his face? The molecular biology or oh, Heston guy. Blumenthal. Heston Blumenthal. Like you're none of these people. You need to calm the fuck. You're cooking down. on a fucking boat. I mean, I know it's a super yeah. yacht, but you're a boat chef. You're a boat cook. Like fucking just bake a cake and shut the fuck up about it. Because as much as I hate, what's the guy from the other one? The cute one that's annoying. Ben. No, I'm coming on to him later. Kiko. The American. Annoying. Oh, um, Steve. No, not Steve. Adam. Adam. There we go. Got there in the yes. end. Like as much as he annoys me, he doesn't whinge. He's not a whiner. No. He just fucking gets on and nails it. Like he's a bit, he's obnoxious and arrogant. Or fucks with them. Yeah, but he's yeah. not a whiner. But the whining, I swear to God, I'm like, and I just can't. If I was Malia, that whining would just make my sex bits totally shrivel up. <laughs> like I would want nothing to do with him. It's like the most unattractive quality ever. There is nothing worse than whining. No, Uh, nothing. Anyway, I mean, and here's the irritating thing. Like he pulls it off. Like it's fine. They're so happy in the end. They tip really well, but he's still whining. And it goes on about his reputation. My reputation, my reputation. Oh, fuck off. Yeah, dude, you know what? This is doing nothing for your reputation. If everybody knows you're going to be a whiny bitch in the kitchen. Yes, that's not, that's the the thing that you should be worrying about. That's damaging your reputation more than like a bit of chicken that needs cooking again. Yeah, fucking twat. I'm sorry. I know he's one of my countrymen, but I'm disappointed. (laughs) I think what Kat's saying is she's taking it as a personal (laughs) affront that you are so whiny in the kitchen, Tom. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm saying. Do fucking better. It's a blight on the country. It is. It's a, it's, we're all ashamed. Especially a country that like prides themselves on like. Make do and mend. Mucking just in and get getting on with it, done. it Exactly. <laughs> I mean, my mum's favorite saying growing up was pretend you're a pair of bathroom curtains and pull yourself together. That's what she said. Like, I want to say that to Tom with a clip around the ear. Like, there you go. Hell, pull yourself together. He needs to get to Yorkshire. Get some, get some. Uh, no, we don't want him. Balls. We don't want him. <laughs> Stay down south. Anyway, um, Malia, I think it's really affecting Malia as well. I don't know. It, it is. I still I, don't know whether it's Malia or Malia. Everybody calls her something slightly different. Yeah, I call her Malia. I think she's really neglecting her job yeah. to like take care of him. And it's such a fucking downer to see a strong, badass woman do that. You, like, no. You're so right. Let him get on with his shit. I hadn't even thought about it like that. Like, but this whole season was like the women are running the show. And then her boyfriend comes on. And she just becomes this like fawning little sous chef. Caregiver. And it should, I want her to be like, babe, you, this is your job. I'm on the deck. You need to fucking handle this. Yeah, I'll see you tonight back in our bunk. Yeah, I don't want her to be this simpering little, you know, assistant in the no. kitchen for him. She needs to be like, dude, I've got work to do. Like, 
You agreed to do this. I'm a bosun. You fucking need to step up and do your work. I love you and I will see you later. I'm Yeah. I'm so disappointed with Malia right now. I know. I know. And she's not the only one. I mean, I'm also really disappointed in Sandy in this entire episode, yeah. which is like a gut punch because I've always been a massive fan of hers just because she's always kicking ass and doing what she needs to do. But like this Sandy, I don't like it. I don't like it either. And again, should we find her like ragging on Jess because the laundry room is is out of control? Like I get it. But they are a stew down and this is a demanding charter. And well, and they're like they were the head stew down. So like there's been a shakeup in the hierarchy. Jess doesn't really know where she stands. They're just trying to like take care of people. They're literally just trying to survive right now and and make sure it doesn't impact on the guests. But if you have Jess in the laundry room all the time and just Bugsy, of course, that's going to have an impact on the guests. And I feel like what Sandy's doing is really bad for morale. I feel like the job just needs to get done this charter. There is not a third yeah. stew. Like by hook or by crook, there aren't guests in the fucking laundry room. They don't know that shit. Like, no. Except that there is a reason you have three stews. So if you have two stews, some shit's not going to get done. Absolutely. It's just like during COVID when you're working from home, homeschooling from home and trying to entertain the young ones, some shit is just not going to get done yeah. and it's all going to slide. It's just the way it is. And I feel like she's really missed a trick. She should have been like, Jess, Bugsy, I know this is fucking hard. You're nailing it. If you get a chance, even tidying up the laundry room would be great. I understand it's difficult. Like how hard is that? A hundred percent. It's not hard. And especially it's not hard for somebody who has been captain for so long and fucking knows better. Yeah. I've seen a few things with her that have made me realize that I'm not a hundred percent sure she's as nice as I thought she was. I think she's super capable. I think she's super impressive. I respect her. Do I think that she's as nice and kind as I thought she was? I don't think so. Well, I wouldn't even say, I mean, I think this is more a managerial thing. Like I question her managerial skills on, on this particular issue because it's like you're, it's in my opinion, and I could be wrong, yachties out there, let me know. It's her job to captain the ship, yeah. right? And manage her managers. Then the managers need to manage everybody else. Yeah. This is where she needs to stay. She doesn't need to be checking the fucking laundry room yeah. or whatever, like, She's definitely micromanaging and it's and it's overwhelming yeah. and it's too much. But I think what I think what we've all been taught to believe is that if you're the boss or if you're the managers, then there shouldn't be any this, it's like business isn't personal. And I just think that's bullshit. I think business is personal, yeah. especially if you're working in an environment like this. And I think that we as women need to reclaim that kind of generosity of spirit and heart and compassion that we have and use that to be better business people and to be better managers. And I feel like Sandy's not doing that. She's playing into this like patriarchal role of like busting balls and it's bullshit. It's 100% bullshit. It is exactly why women are good bosses and good managers because they can be, they can manage with empathy. And yeah. that's, that's our superpower. So we need to use it and show that it's being used well. And I think Sandy, maybe she's kind of old school. She's fought her way through a really ma- male dominated industry and i understand that but now i'm like you're here you can make change you can use that compassion you can use that empathy and you're not and she didn't do it with hannah and she's not doing it with jess and 
it's just disappointing. I would even argue she doesn't do it with Malia because we see Malia fall out with the boys. And instead of letting Malia kind of handle it, Sandy butts into it, which ultimately undermines Malia. That's not being supportive. No, it isn't. And that fallout with the boys was really felt really indicative to me of Malia being distracted because it felt like having Tom on the boat has she feels responsible for him. She's using up a lot of energy and patience kind of trying to manage that. And it's stressful. And then, sure, Rob's a dick. Like, she tells him to do something. Totes. He doesn't do it. But I feel like she's handled yeah. those situations much better than she did this time. A hundred percent. Like, I felt with that situation, she just wanted to bark an order, have it followed so she could run back and help fucking Tom in the kitchen. It wasn't about what her people needed from her as a manager on the deck. Like she was trying to pawn something quickly off so she could run back and help Tom out, which is not her fucking job. No. And I know that they're down a stew and I know that the deck crew have to step up. So she, I, maybe that's what she's thinking about. If I'm trying to give her some credit, maybe it's not just yeah, fair Tom, enough. but maybe it's that, that the interior too. But at the same time, the way she handled it, even though Rob behaved badly, gave him an opportunity to say, well, yeah, but you you didn't, you know, he could attack her for something as well. And up until yeah. now, she's been squeaky clean. But I feel like she's unraveling a little bit. And it's, it's just, it's just really fucking sad to watch. Absolutely. And I kind of wonder if, you know, since Bravo's had to edit a lot with Pete out, I wonder if there's a part that we missed because it sounded afterwards that like Pete was actually the one that was more, the instigator of that scenario. But because he's been edited out so much, I wonder if that storyline just kind of got broken a little bit. And maybe. maybe that's where it's coming from. I don't know. But yeah, I, it, that could well be it. Um, maybe they'll settle. I mean, the trailers, it looks like Tom doesn't settle, but maybe, Ma, maybe yeah. Malia will settle into it and refind her feet. But God, it'd be such a fucking cliche if she's bossing it until her fucking boyfriend comes on and then she leaves. It's just so boring. Yeah, it's so disappointing. The only person on deck right now that I have time for is Alex. He is the fucking tits. (laughs) I I love him. I've kind of got the hots for Alex. Hell yes! And I'm not a hairy back kind of girl, but I have got the hots for Alex. He's respectful. He always has a fucking positive attitude. Yep. He's just there to get his work done. Funny. He has a good time doing self-deprecating. it. Self-deprecating. But here's the thing. He does need to grow some balls because he just needs to fucking ask Bugsy out. Yeah, he really does. Co- because I think the answer would be yes. Yes. He's just, just do it. pussyfooting around. He's, he's waiting for her. And she's like, I'm not going to do it. I need you to, like, I just need him to point blank say, do you want to go out on a date? Come on, just yeah. don't just flirt with this fucking shit with me. Say the words. It's no. like when I've got my th- three-year-old, soon to be four. She's like, nye, nye. I'm like, say, use your words. That's what yeah. we want Alex to do. We want him to use his words. That's right, Alex. Use your words and ask Bugsy out. It will be a positive thing. I think it will be. And I can tell you, Alex, it will be because she, um, obviously it's weird because she knows what happens and we're in the future, essentially. Right. But right. on the stories... I was like, should Alex just ask Bugsy out? And she was like, yes, she voted yes. So, you know, we're on the right page. Yep, we are. Um, And then finally, we've got the return of 
One of my favorite stews of all time. Absolutely. I fucking love this New Zealander. Aisha, we are so pleased you're back. Yay! I think the combination of Bugsy and Aisha is going to bring a very different vibe to interior. I think it's going to be fun. I think they're going to work their asses off. I I think Aisha and Jess are going to really bond on a personal level. And I think Aisha, because Aisha's fucking bonkers. And I think Jess will appreciate that. But Aisha was always fucking professional and good at her job. She never slacked off. So I think that's going to really help Jess. And I think Aisha's going to kind of temper Bugsy's crazy. I see a lot of myself in Bugsy. (laughs) I hate to say, I really do. I see a lot of myself in Bugsy. Um, But I think that Aisha's going to temper that a little bit. Yeah, I think this may, we may see like a stew dream team. If Jess can just focus on work and not on fucking Rob. (laughs) I will say this. Please. I loved the scavenger hunt. I liked how it brought everybody together and it really kind of made the boat a team on that. I I liked that aspect of it. I'll give you that. But I would be gutted. Honestly, I'd be gutted if I followed all that shit. And at the end of that well, fucking rainbow was simpering, sensey Rob. <laughs> Sorry. Well, both of them are kind of as bad as each other. I mean, like Jess says in this episode, like, can't we just have a moment together? No, you can't because you're fucking working. Yes. She was like indignant that she wasn't allowed like half an hour to pash with her boyfriend. Like, fuck off. You're on a boat. Just yeah, do the job. But I mean, these two, it just... It's kind of smacks of what they need right now rather than what they need forever. And I think we know because I think isn't Rob dating? No, I think that was proved to be false. I think we had false information on that one. So he's not with Madison. Um, No, he came like on Watch What Happens Live. He debunked all of that. So I don't know. I go back and forth between them. Like it could just be temporary and like a a really great boatman's that just irritates everybody. Fine. But I could also see it as, you know what? These two are bad as each other and they need to keep each other off the streets. Well, that's true. I mean, it could just be a public service kind of relationship. You know, those ones where they just keep (laughs) each other out of the way for the rest of us normal folk? It could be that. Absolutely. I mean, it smacks of Adam and what's her name? What is her name? Jenna. Jenna. Yes. Sorry about that. But yeah, it smacks of them. Like they're as bad as each other, yes. but they understand each other in a way that nobody else should understand yes. either one of them. You're so right. they need to be together to keep each other off the street. You're absolutely right. I'm annoyed that I have to watch them do it on television, but that's fine. I can live with it if that's the payoff. Uh, agreed. Absolutely. Um, let's quickly touch on Million Dollar Listing um, LA. I didn't realize you informed me. That's mostly because Reagan is definitely so much more on it when it comes to all of this stuff than I am. But she has told me that it is the season finale next week. Next week is the season finale of Million Dollar Listing LA. And actually, I'm not more on it. They just actually put it up there like at the end of the episode, which really surprised me because usually they'll tease that out and be like, you know, season finale is coming, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like this season with most of these shows, it's just finally like, oh, and next week is the season finale. That's where it's ending. Yeah. And I, maybe it's because they had to cut them short. I think, it's, I think whatever, it's all but. COVID related, right? I think they're just like, yeah. okay, now we just have to stop. Um, and I'm not gutted. Like I, I can watch it. 
I can watch it for the house porn, but the drama is poor. And I have to say, yeah. I owe you kind of an apology. Doesn't happen. For what? Doesn't happen very often, guys. So fucking <laughs> press record now. Um, because Reagan said to me, I think we should do Selling Sunset. And I was like, oh, I want to do it. It looks rubbish. I've watched like the first five minutes. I'm not interested. Actually, now that I've watched it, I feel like we should have replaced Million Dollar Listing yeah. LA with Selling Sunset because there's just, I mean, it's its less about the houses, but there's more to talk yeah. about, right? Totally. It's just a different format show, right? And I mean, maybe we could do a mini-sode on Selling Sunset since we both nailed we should do all that. three seasons in that. one go. We'll do that. But it's such a different show than Million Dollar Listing LA. Million Dollar Listing LA is about the houses. And the real market, estate and the agents. Real estate and all that kind of stuff. Selling Sunset is like straight up drama deliciousness. And I feel like I Million Dollar Listing has changed. Like right back in the beginning when yeah. Josh Altman and Heather were going on and all that Josh Flags, like all of that, it was much yes. more personal life and now it's not we get zero personal life apart from like a little they're bit of a montage down. they're all settled down and it's i mean it's the same with million dollar listing new york like when we tried to do it you know when it was on last and because they're all settled down there's not like it's almost like their professional beefs and dramas don't matter to them anymore which is great they're more focused on their personal lives but it doesn't make for as interesting watching it doesn't so i think from now on i'm gonna call i think maybe i'm happy to call it and say if reagan agrees i i don't know if we're gonna keep flogging the million dollar listing la or new york course and i think maybe we just see if selling sunset comes back again because that's much more kind of our stuff isn't it anyway (laughs) you knew that and i should have listened and i didn't so no it's all right you ready Sorry. Ooh, like it literally, I got that. It literally hurt a little bit. Record. Literally hurt a little Did bit. Do you hear that, Jimmy? There was an apology. A recorded one. <laughs> a recorded one of back that. Back out of that shit. All right, fine. <laughs> you were right. I was wrong. Um, anyway, that's okay. Let's move on. Uh, we had a couple of things to talk about, men and dollar listing, but I can't really be bothered. It's not that interesting. So we'll move on to Real Housewives of Beverly Hills because this is really interesting. Not that I would know because apparently I forgot to watch the last half of it this week. <laughs> I think Kat cut out after the party. So I'll be leading the discussion from what happened after that. I think what happened is Jimmy took the kids out and I thought I'll get an episode in. And then they came back and I paused it. And then I forgot thought that I hadn't had watched it, it all. And I went on to New York. So Fair apologies. And it was the season finale. So it's the last one. <laughs> I mean, on a very selfish note, there is part of me that can't wait to like wrap this up and go and watch it without having to take notes. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. I mean, watching reality TV while taking notes definitely takes a little bit of the fun out of it. A little bit. But doing this podcast makes it a little more fun for oh, me. Yeah. So if I have to take the notes so you and I can chat about it every week. Listen, I'm I'm totally not fine. I'm fine with taking the notes. It is just lovely to be able to every now and again not take the notes. I mean, maybe that's why that's why we like selling sunset so much, because we could just binge it all yeah. and didn't have to worry about recapping it for people. But We'll do that from now on. Anyways, back to the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Back to that. And uh, Dorit is, I can't tell you, she's doing her housewarming. And let me tell you, she is bringing all the Liz Hurley vibes into that 21st century with that dress. I loved it. She has not missed a beat fashion-wise this season. She's not missed a beat. She's fucking insane. I love it. 
She and Erica are the same in different styles, in different ways, but they are so the same with just bringing the fashion all the time. And I love it. Like, I I just love it. I do too, but I actually think Dorit's developed into that. I think that's always been Erica, but I think Dorit's taken that inspiration a little bit and now she's going, well, I'm going to have that much fun with it too. And I love her for that. Like, I think that's great. Yeah. But I love, she's not Mr. Beat this season. And that Liz Hurley-esque dress was phenomenal. It really was. Like, it was amazing. She looked great. Um, My issue, let, let's see. Should we start? Denise has no manners. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's literally really the nicest way you could have put that. Yeah. I hundred percent it is the way she stands up Garcelle on the way to this housewarming party. I have no respect for people who do not respect other people's time. And let's be frank. Garcelle is her only ally in that group right now, her only ally. And for her to not even send her a text and go, don't ask me any questions, but even that would have been better. Don't ask me any questions. I can't explain, but I'm not coming anymore. Please just go without me. I will speak to you later. That would have been fine. But Denise, to just stand her up and Michael, have them yeah, sitting in the say, car. It wasn't, even, it wasn't even Garcelle on her own. It was Garcelle's date as well. They both just sitting out there like dicks. It was so fucking rude. And I really hope that Garcelle doesn't pander to Denise now. I really hope that's the yeah. moment where Garcelle goes, oh, maybe Denise is a dick. Um, yeah. Because I would not have been cool with that. Not at all. I, I, like I said, I have no time for people who, who disrespect other people's time in that way. If there's an emergency that comes up, fair enough, you can text or just say, shit, can't make it, talk to you later. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and then in the run-up, we discover, so they all get to the housewarming party, which by the way, the house looks yes. great. Not sure about PK's non-alcoholic champagne. What's... I think they did that for Teddy, which I'm looking like I have no time for. Oh, no, no. They've developed this whole, it's their range. Oh, did they? It's it's his new brand. I thought they did it to make, I thought they did it to make Teddy feel included at the party. Because then I was like, that's a really nice thing because Teddy can drink and like be included. No, this is their new, this, oh no, it was purely self-promotion. You didn't give a shit about Teddy. This is their new (laughs) range, their new let's get rich quick thing. And I have to Uh. say, if you're a music manager like PK and you've made your living doing whatever you've made your living and all of a sudden you're like moving into a smaller house and launching these kind of new let's sell this shit stuff. I feel like there's some trouble, as we say in Yorkshire, trouble at mill. Um, but that being said, uh, I don't really understand non-alcoholic champagne. I mean, I understand non-alcoholic I mean- beer more than non-alcoholic champagne. Yeah, I mean, I I would have loved it as as a pregnant woman. Like, oh, I, just I loved champagne. non-alcoholic beer as a pregnant woman, but I did occasionally, not all the time. It's frowned upon here in the U.S. But um, anyway, yeah. anyway, so they oh, have I their totally party. That. Yeah, no, they have yeah. their party. That's fine. There's you know chance to promote their new uh, drink, um, and I've got to love Kim for this. Like, I have to love Kim for this. But her Kim plus Richards. one, obviously, is Brandy. And I think Kim is loving Real Housewives of Beverly Hills life right now because she's like, none of the responsibility and all of the fucking fuel to throw on the fire. She could have brought anybody. 
this is what I mean by you so much just want to be the friend on these shows and not the main people because you don't have to deal with any of the backlash and you can stir up all the shit you want. Yeah. I it's mean, brilliant. it is genius. She's like, I didn't know Brandy was going to be your plus one. Well, no, of course you know, because Kim's not going to tell you that shit. But funnily enough, Brandy decides to tell Denise that she is actually going to be coming. And it becomes clear, doesn't it, that that's the reason yeah. that Denise yeah. doesn't turn up. Denise reveals that later on in the part of the episode that I think was missed. Um, she reveals that that was 100% the reason that she wasn't there. Brandy texted her, let her know that she was going to be there, which... Honestly, is kind of big of Brandy. Like, I don't think I would have given her that kind of heads up after all the shit she was saying about me. Well, I think Brandy got told, but, didn't she? Brandy was like, I can't remember who it was, but they were like, you have to sit down with Denise and sort this out. Yeah. And I think that was where Brandy was coming from. Like, I'm going to be there. Let's we can talk. We can it talk. Out. Um, yeah. And obviously Denise is in some sort of denial. So what I'm going to do, right. because I haven't watched it and you have, I'm going to kind of throw you some questions it's going to be let's interview Reagan time so so after the party uh tell me what happened at the end of the party when Garcelle was leaving with Michael the producer came over to Garcelle and was like Aaron texted production citing a family emergency and that's why Denise didn't show up in the car for you and Garcelle's like she still could have fucking texted she wasted a lot of my time if she can text you she can fucking text me Agreed. Yeah, so Aaron put it out there that it was a family emergency and that's why she didn't show. So do you want me to tell you what happens after that? A little bit, yeah. Okay, so the next, like a couple days later, Dorit, Garcelle, and Lisa get together for like Christmas drinks and they just all talk about like Denise bailing and why did she do that? And Lisa comes up and says, you know what? She's controlling the narrative. She was with Charlie Sheen for so long. This woman knows how to manipulate the press and do exactly what she needs to do to make everybody look right. And they point to the fact, or make everybody else look wrong and make Denise look right. And they point out the fact that Aaron posted a picture of like Denise in recovery from all those hernia surgeries that she had way at the beginning of the season. He posted that picture the day after the party, which like changes the narrative to like she couldn't be there because she was sick or she's recovering. And everyone's like, that happened months ago. But Lisa's like, no, like this is a sympathy post because it's going to come out that she wasn't at the party. And now they've got this like PR machine going. She's like, Denise knows how to protect herself in the press. This is all and I, a manipulation. We've, and we said this a couple of episodes ago, maybe even last episode, like she's been with Charlie Sheen for too long. This is the Charlie Sheen me- method of kind of manipulation. And it's, just deny till you die. It's not true. I'm going to give you the story and that's the story that you have to believe. And this is crazy. Anyway, then doesn't she send out some legal shit? Denise sends out cease and desist letters to all of the cast of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and production. And I found a copy of it online. Which if you're not sure, I believe that cease and desist are not legally enforceable, but they're like the last warning before we get legal. Essentially, they're the ones that say, if you don't cease and desist, then we will start to get serious. I believe that's correct. But if any of you are lawyers, feel free to correct us. But that's what I believe to be correct. But it says... um, This one is to Brandy. It says, This firm acts as litigation counsel for Denise Richards. We understand, based on firsthand sources, that you have been spreading false and disparaging allegations regarding Ms. Richards with respect to Season 10 of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, the program. It is hereby demanded that you immediately cease and desist from spreading these defamatory 
defamatory claims and explain to the cast members of the program who witnessed these claims that your previous defamatory statements were untrue. Should you refuse to do so, you will stand exposed to significant liability as discussed below. And then it goes into like what false accusations, like the definition of false um, accusations are. And then it just goes on to say, um, your defamatory statements are extremely damaging to Ms. Richard's reputation as both a loyal spouse and devoted mother, as well as a diligent, hardworking, and reliable actor. Should you fail to abide by the cease and desist demand, Ms. Richards will hold you responsible for false and reckless attempts. So, so the point is that these letters don't confirm that the rumors aren't true. That's not what these letters do. There would be like a court case to do that later. This is just yeah. Denise going, just everybody shut the fuck up. Yeah, and then it goes on to, like, claim, like, it speaks of, like, different cases where the outcome has been for the person who's been wrongfully accused. Like, Brett Michaels, the guy who runs Girls Gone Wild, like, a whole bunch of other legal cases. So, anyways, Denise sent those letters out to all of the cast, so that was just the one to Brandy, and production. Two weeks after she sends out the letter, Denise is then shown going over to Lisa's for a chat where we hear like Aaron very clearly on a phone saying, why are you going over there when she's treating you this way? It was like the most staged conversation I've ever heard in my life. Um, so, and then that's where we find out that Denise didn't show because Brandy was there and she wanted to avoid a Jerry Springer situation. At so the I, do, I do, I do remember seeing on. this trailer where Lisa was like, so you lied. And Denise yeah. goes, yeah, I lied. Yeah. So that is... Um, so anyways, Denise goes over there. She tells Lisa that there's an app that can fake text messages because Lisa calls her out and she's like, look, I've seen the text messages. You guys had a friendship. You know her more than what you're saying. And Denise's like, oh, there's an app. You can fake that. I think that's bullshit. Lisa thinks it's bullshit. And then Denise is kind of like, well, if everybody wants to see the receipts, then maybe I'll just show everybody all the text messages kind of threatening Lisa and like all this other stuff that like she has all this other stuff. On I that. feel like Denise needs to go to like defense school 101 because not not one of her actions makes her seem more legitimate that no. all it all makes her seem like she's lying even more obviously. Absolutely. And so Lisa calls her out for lying about a family emergency at the very beginning as well. And that's where the clip about you lied. Yes, I lied. It comes from the family emergency because Lisa was like, we were all generally really worried about you. Don't ever use yeah. family emergency as an excuse again. Then Lisa brings up the cease and desist. Denise gets all crazy and is like, who told you about that? And like gets really ragey. So who course, did Denise send the deceased? And uh, I read that she sent it to all cast and production, but maybe that was not true. I don't. I don't know because obviously, right, if because she sent that it would to make cast, that, she'd send it to Lisa. Right, that would make that clear. So, and then Denise tells Lisa she's playing dirty. Their friendship's at a dead end because Lisa's like, the only way we can resolve this is honesty, and you're not being honest. Mic drop. Boom. Uh, and so that's where it ended. No, then oh. <laughs> how much then did all I the miss? Ladies, all the ladies, Sutton gets a private plane so all the ladies can fly to New York and see Erica perform. So they go and see Erica on stage, which is really lovely. But Garcelle doesn't go. Denise? Does Denise go? No. 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 Okay. Interesting. And that's the Interesting. End. Okay. And then um, 
of course we find out that covid hit and erica couldn't continue with roxy and all right. and now they're all just teddy has a baby girl everybody's Got reevaluating it. their lives but I've heard, so they've recorded the reunion, and I've heard because of the cease and desist, it's not a super interesting reunion because a lot of the stuff can't be talked about. So we'll see. Do we know if Denise is present at the reunion? I don't know that. <gasps> I know, I think she is because Brandy is not because Brandy's going to do a special with Andy Cohen about what's going on. Brandy was originally going to be at the reunion, but then decided no. Like I guess Bravo decided Denise no. Would never they didn't want like that there. explosion. Yeah. So. Well, this is exciting. Um, yeah. Thanks for that. Sorry that I dropped Anytime. the watching on that. Oh, what no, an idiot. Anyway. it was. I mean, it's pretty interesting because I mean, it definitely the whole last half did not portray Denise does not portray herself as like the person no. on the right of this argument. No, in no way, shape, or form. Um, Anyway, well, that reunion is coming up, so that's exciting. And if we move on to New York, we're very close to getting to the... I think we've got one more episode of this left. Yeah, the season finale for The Real Housewives of New York is next week as well, so we'll be losing them. They've already started... They've already recorded the reunion as well, so... And uh, big news bombshell this week, of course, because Dorinda is leaving the Housewives franchise. She is, and... um. I don't know what that, what were the results of that poll? Let me pull it up really fast. Have a look. I mean, I don't know. I've seen things that say, I've seen a million articles. Some say she's fired. Some say she left. I genuinely think Bravo, here's what I think. Whether she was fired or jumped, I think Bravo would let her say that she's just leaving. Like, totally. I don't think they need to force the fact that she's been fired. So I think whatever the issue is, we're always just going to hear Dorinda's decided to leave or, you know, whoever it is. So right. I don't think we'll ever get down to the bottom of it. But either way, I'm not sad. No, I'm not sad either. I think it's time for her to take a bit of a break. I'd like to see her back. I quite like 23% um, of our people think that she was that she jumped ship. 77% think she was pushed out. I like Dorinda's interaction with Leah and maybe if, Maybe once she's back in a, maybe a better headspace, I'd enjoy her more. But I think she's been in such a terrible headspace this season that it's been Here's hard what to I watch. Think. I think they're doing exactly what we think they should do. We talked about it last season. I think they're doing a car shakeup. I think they're starting with the last that came in, which was Dorinda. All the others have been there. I mean, I think they're keeping Leah, so that's fine. Yeah. But I think in terms of the ones they're firing, they're announcing her first because she was the last in, first out. Right. And I think we'll see one maybe two more go as well um and i think it's just all part of a car shakeup i don't think she's necessarily done anything i don't think she's not delivered because in terms of drama she's delivered totally um but i think that they i think bravo and you and me are on exactly the same wavelength maybe they listened to our podcast and made the decision yeah, that we were right yeah and that they, they needed just decided to decided right then and there i just think that's it i think it needs to be younger yeah I mean, New York is such a young and vibrant city. I mean, there's definitely like the old school, like socialite bunch yeah, as well. Yeah, of course. But I don't know if that's relevant anymore in like today's society. So, well, I and I think see they've done it. People. Yeah. They've done it, right? Like, now let's see more of Leah and the kind of people that she's hanging out with because let's talk about that party. That was great. That's the kind it of party so that we're fun. going to in London. Like, when I go to yeah. brand parties, that's what it looks like. I never really dress up. We're in sneakers and trainers and. 
you know, our winged eyeliners on fucking fleek and we've got our long nails on, but Absolutely. we're not dressed up to the nines. Like, no, I love it. So funny. Dorinda. Watching Dorinda. Oh, God. <laughs> I feel like Karen from Human Resources. I you mean, look like uh-huh. her too. you do. You nailed Karen yeah. from Human Resources, Dorinda. Maybe, maybe just listen to what you said. Take that in a little bit and just do a little changing around. Well, and this is what I love because Sonia was dressed the exact same way, but Sonia like came into that party like a cat in heat and just like living her best life. This is what I love about Sonia. Sonia can be with anybody at a party. Anybody. She she really can. And she is very comfortable in her own skin that she doesn't feel like being in that room has to reflect on her. Whereas Dorinda, I I think just felt old and insecure and immediately became disparaging. Whereas Sonia's like, I don't care. She said something like, I'm the old bitch of Uptown or something. And you know, she was like, I'm the Uptown bitch. Like I'm here now. And then she just spies all these gorgeous men. And one of them's like, she's like, I was on tequila last night. He's like, oh, I was on Captain Morgan. She's like, oh, you can be on Lady Morgan tonight. It's so good. (laughs) She's just a genius. And I adore that about her. And I think that that's a real genuine quality of hers that I really admire. That Dorinda doesn't have. And that obviously Ramona Uh, definitely doesn't have. Because they're just not secure enough in themselves. No. Yeah, nail, nail hit. Absolutely. I love that Elise showed up regardless of the fact that Ramona kind of forbid Leah to invite her. Just super fucking childish. If Ramona doesn't know that if you forbid Leah to do anything, she's going to do it 10 times over, then not so smart. But I agree. And, you know, I don't know what's happened really between Ramona and Elise because I know it's been tense, but this is now a whole nother level and while I think a lot of people might have thought Elise goes into too aggressive, I actually think fair fucking play to you because I don't think anybody yeah. since Bethany Frankel has has held Ramona as accountable as that. Absolutely. And I also think it's a very real thing to feel. Like if a friend of yours was treating you that way, you would be pissed off and you would ask her about it. You wouldn't just pretend like nothing was happening. If a friend of mine, even if I'd fallen out with them, just turned around to me, refused to said, I don't even know who you are. I mean... Fuck you. I can't even imagine the rage that I would feel. No. Like, that's such a fucking cunt's move, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Like, it's elitist and just garbage. I don't like yeah. it at all. No, I'm glad I she don't. left. I think they all had a better time because she left. I think we, we would all have a better time if Ramona left. Um, what I did love, though, is I loved for Leah that Bunny stood up and said what she said. And I think it's really interesting because... They had this talk about how Leah needs to hear that Bunny is proud of her. And, you know, I think it's quite hard when you've got a kid that is very needy. And I think Leah is needy. Because part of you as a mum wants to go, no, you need to be stronger. Like, you can't just rely on me saying I'm proud or saying well done all the time. Like, you need to believe that in your soul. And I think that's probably where Bunny struggles a little bit. But that, that... speech that she had at the party was really lovely and I think meant a lot to them as a mother and daughter relationship. I totally agree. I see them moving forward. Like I think Leah needed to tell her mom that her mom needed to hear it and now her mom just needs to do it. Like once you know somebody's kind of love language, like obviously affirmations are big for Leah and especially from Bunny. And I think if you know that about your kid, then that's what you kind of give them to make them feel secure and loved. Yeah. 
I 100% agree. And it was lovely to see. I didn't like everybody's response to Bunny. Like, oh, she's kind of granola. It's not. I was like, come on, guys. Just be kinder. Yeah. Come on. She just doesn't give a fuck. No, she's just not spending a gazillion pounds on fucking Botox and fillers and ridiculous clothes that you all look mental in. Um, Right. But yeah, it was a great party. And I think props to Leah for just running an amazing business for 15 years. Like, that's impressive. Absolutely. I think it'd be hard to be in the fashion industry and stay relevant for that long through different different fads and, like, different trends and whatever. Like, well on her. She's doing her work. She is. She really is. Then we flip to Luann the next morning, who is writing a book. Well, she's got a ghostwriter writing the book, but yeah. Okay, she's having a book written <laughs> about herself. Um, yeah. But I think it's interesting that we find out a little bit more about her and especially her dad, right? Absolutely. I mean, I never knew that she kind of came from this polyester pay less background. Like she was one of seven kids. Her parents didn't have a lot of money. Her dad really struggled with alcoholism. He was arrested as well. And I think I think there has been some genuine reflection on her life. I don't know if it's just to make a buck or to grow. We'll see. But, um, you know, it, it's interesting. I have to say, in the last two or three episodes, I've really appreciated Luann and her approach the rest of the season. Absolutely not. But maybe, maybe I can see some growth in her and maybe that will continue. I don't know. Um, I do like how, I mean, just like Sonia, I feel like Luann can fit in anywhere too. Like she had a great time at Leah's party. She dressed the part. She had a great time. Um, It's something I really appreciate about the two of them. Yeah, I agree. And it's a real skill as well. And, you know, I'm not I'm not going to do Dorinda down because it is tricky. It is a real talent to be able to do that. Like my dad's one of those people, too. Like he's super wealthy and posh and all the rest of it. But you can put him anywhere and he can just have a great time and talk to anybody. And so it is a skill. And I think you're right. Luann and Sonia have it in bucket loads. Certainly, certainly Sonia. Um, Yeah. But yeah, we'll see. Luann, I want to see growth in her if she doesn't get fired, of course. And then, of course, right. we finish up with Dorinda's birthday. Dorinda's bitch, birthday man. party. She's fucking, it's all batshit crazy, isn't it? But she um, decides to do it at this Russian place. It seems like I almost, it had a feeling of kind of the finale in it. Do you know what I mean? Like all of them together. All the parties, like I, I kind of assumed I was watching this, like, holy shit, is this the actual finale? Because that's how they usually do the finale. So maybe there's another party. Oh, it's uh, the drag queen bingo next week oh. at Sonia's. <laughs> so that's the finale party. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting with kind of Dorinda inviting John. And I think you and I both come from different views on this a little bit. What did you think about John being there? I feel like... I don't know how possible it is to be in uh, an intense, like full on relationship for seven years and then just kind of switch to being one of the family. And I feel like John is hankering for the maybe that Dorinda will come back to him. And I feel like Dorinda's keeping him around because she's terrified of being on her own and lonely. That's not that I... Not that I judge either of them for that because it's all very normal and natural and I can understand it, but I don't think that it's what Dorinda says it is. I don't think it's like, he's just one of the family. Um, And like, while I kind of ruminated a little bit on what she said about how when you break up with somebody, you don't just 
discard them or dispose of them. I thought that's kind of an interesting thing to think about. But actually, I think there has to be a necessary period of discarding them or removing them from your life because you just can't shift that quickly. Well, I think ultimately, once you're done, you're done. Like, yeah, he didn't sign up to be part of your family. He signed up to be your partner. And if that's not going to happen, then you're absolutely right. Like she should let them let him go. Maybe this was just like a nicety, like, you know, I know we're finished, but it is my birthday and like, you can come hang out with everybody or whatever. But I kind of think Ramona was spot on and you too. Like he doesn't want just to be friends with her. So the power dynamic is always going to be off, right? Like he wants more, she doesn't. It's always going to be a little bit weird. So it's not going to feel like family. But I thought his speech was really nice. I yeah. think he did make it all about her, which I cannot be said for other people giving speeches at that table. <laughs> fucking hell, you have Luanne, to prize that microphone from Luann's cold, dead fucking hand. She's so funny to me because there's the one part of the show where I love her and I can get finally like, yes, I can be on Team Luann. And then she does something like this and be like, I you're know. just a dick. <laughs> so narcissistic. I mean, I just hope that he does. she doesn't break John's heart, but I'm. that's kind of where I am. I feel like she's yeah. keeping him around almost like as an in case I don't ever think she intends to get back together with him but just having him there I think is what she needs right now and while I understand it it's not great for him so we'll see who knows yep we'll see and season finale next week with Sonia and drag queen bingo and all the ladies have to dress like drag queens too so I'm excited. That could be interesting. Um, well, listen, that wraps us up for this week. Once again, we've forgotten to ask you to uh, rate and review before, but we're doing it now. So if you can, we'd love to. Listen, we know that there's like literally hundreds, of, maybe even thousands of you listening yeah. every week. And we know that we haven't got hundreds or thousands of reviews. So like, just could you, that would be great. Just pop on there. It's free. It takes no time at all. No time at all. Um, just help just help some sisters out that's it we'd really appreciate it but in the meantime we hope that you have a wonderful wonderful week we hope that if you have kids that they are getting themselves back to school asap um and we hope that you are doing okay in these crazy times it it is it's insanity it is but for now goodbye and remember smart people watch reality tv too bye-bye bye Please subscribe, rate, and review TV My Husband Hates wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at TV My Husband Hates and join the Facebook group to keep the conversation going when the podcast ends. If Twitter's your thing, you'll find us at TV Husbands Hate. Theme music and production for TV My Husband Hates is by Jimmy Sims. Yeah.